This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, to another episode of Rocks to Roots podcast, conservation conversations from the backyard to the back 40. I'm your host, Hillary, and with me is my co-host, Dwayne. How's it going, Dwayne? Uh, good, Hillary. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, just prepping for this big event we have coming up here in less than a month. A big event all about learning and wonderful information. A symposium, maybe? Yes, you're right. It is the Farm and Food Symposium that is coming up November 5th and 6th. It's two days of education and resources for uh, producers, small and large, uh, consumers. We got growers. We're going to cover the whole thing um, from A to Z. We got vegetable gardening. We have foliar nutrient applications. We also have some great panel discussions on tackling hunger and micronutrient deficiencies in our community. So uh, make sure you head over to SpokaneCD.org and look for the Farm and Food Symposium. You can register today and that is SpokaneCD.org slash events. So you ready to jump into our interview today? Uh, I hope I'm ready with the four in front of me. I'm not really sure, but let's do it. We have got quite the show lined up today. We have the Four Roots from Four Roots Farm joining us today. Thank you for joining us, ladies. <laughs> so I want to give you each an opportunity just to introduce yourselves and um, just let us know a little bit about your background and um, your experience in agriculture. So Lisette, we'll start with you. Wonderful. Thank you for having us here today. My name is Lisette Allen, and I am the Administrative Director for Four Roots, LLC. And prior to this, my background is primarily in grant writing and nonprofit administration and in contract writing preparation. I do come from a family of farmers and love farming, love food. My master's is in health promotion and nutrition, so all about the local food system and the health of our system. Awesome. I'm Brittany Tyler. I am our managing director. Um, right now, I'm also currently an intern at Vets on the Farm. Um, I'm a Navy veteran. I was a Chinese linguist. And um, after that, I earned my degree in hospitality management as well as baking and pastry. Um, I've worked in the restaurant industry for several years and then uh, kind of lateral moved into the food security industry, uh, working with food uh, emergency food boxes, and food procurement for our community. Wonderful, and thank you for your service. I'm Rachel, and I guess I'm the uh, El Jefe, or the president of Four Roots. That's my actual title, so I get to sit there and just be a figurehead and not do a lot. But um, no, I um, my background in agriculture actually comes from supporting farmers through farmers markets. Um, I manage a couple of markets, and then um, I moved into uh, a food box program recently and helped coordinate all of that and work with farmers and procurement and things like that. And so um, now we're into our own thing and getting to manage it on our own. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. And last but not least. Mostly least. Um, <laughs> I am Bree Scott. I am. I was an intern at Vets on the Farm also for two years and moved into just part-time work there. Um, I was in the Air Force and decided that an office job was not for me. So I started farming on my own and farming at Vets on the Farm. Eventually, I started working at Educational Services District 101 here in Spokane as the farm to school program manager, which got me in touch with these three ladies through the Emergency Food Box program. And when they offered me the opportunity to be the fourth route, I took it. Awesome. So definitely a vast variety of qualifications, experiences. I'm excited to learn more about Four Roots Farm. So tell us really what is Four Roots Farm? So we are a collective organization with the four specialty areas of agriculture, community, education, and events. Um, <laughs> so we are focusing heavily right now on 
sourcing and growing our own produce and looking at producers in the area for filling emergency food boxes and really bringing local agricultural product to community members in need. Great. And so how did you all get together and where did this idea come from? And yeah, why do you feel the need to put together Four Roots? Um, So we addressed a need um, with a previous uh, organization that we worked with um, where actually Lisette procured a, a large grant for emergency food box program at the beginning of the pandemic. And it extended past that funding source into other funding sources from Washington State, the county commissioners. Um, and we, our eyes were blown wide open to the need for food access and how there were shortages across the gambit. Um, and it wasn't just low-income folks. So we provided an opportunity with no barrier access to food box programming. Um, and so these are folks who maybe were kind of seen as a little more affluent, but lost jobs and didn't know, you know, how to stretch their food box, their, I mean, their food budgets. And so we provided an opportunity to give them that part. But the other portion of it was um, in addressing the food access was um, the farmers were also hit very hard during that time period. Um, They were, I mean, I, I think a lot of people saw the articles where they were dumping milk and they were having to just discard potatoes and they were, um, restaurant industry was, Um, unable to use their products that they were ordering. And so we kind of swooped in with the funding sources and made sure that farmers could keep food on their own table and keep their farms afloat um, and then fill those boxes to feed nutritional, like whole foods to um, our community. Um, And so we, that's kind of where it came from and like what our foundation is in those boxes. And and I think the number one thing for us is that it's... um, not your typical food box that you see where it's a lot of like um, packaged, pre-packaged type things. It's whole foods from farmers, whole proteins, um, milk products, dairy products, but it's all fresh and local. So it helps with a lot of, you know, uh, Brittany's got a daughter that has celiac disease. There's a lot of kids that have these problems. So it was like access to people with health problems um, that couldn't normally do like the high sodium pre-packaged mm-hmm. shelf stable type stuff. Um, and so we partnered with the farmers and locally, hyper locally to do that. Very cool. And so you talked about your previous experience with another organization. And so um, what happened with that experience? Did that program end? Was there funding that was gone? And how were you guys able to get back and come up with Four Roots and secure funding or secure your sourcing and um, to in order to make these boxes? What was that like? Sure. Well, So the original funding sources really changed over time um, as a lot of those funding sources originally came from uh, larger governmental organizations and have kind of filtered down through uh, more to the the county and even the city level. However, uh, at the turn of the year, we found a lot of those funding sources changed drastically or even dropped off. Um, and so the, on the state level, the Washington State Department of Agriculture has had their program uh, running throughout this year. However, it's changed again. And as we've come up to the new fiscal year, their program has changed from what it was before to now uh, the We Feed Washington program, which has actually just now um, taken off. And so the, the funding sources have changed dramatically. And, and truly, as those original funding sources dropped off, we saw that despite the fact that the uh, the funding wasn't there, the need was still there. And so we've kind of just kept our ears to the ground, really keep, kept an eye out. And then, of course, Lisette, um, being our phenomenal grant and contract coordinator and writer, uh, has, has truly been instrumental in finding and securing those funding sources for us. Yeah, and I think it's um, important to note, too, that um, the farmers, we built such a relationship with them Mm -hmm. that they even towards, so with the funding source, it was monthly that it was changing. We were finding out, like, January 29th that February 1st is the new round of funding. Oh, wow. Um, And our farmers, like, they rolled with the punches. And we supported them very well by um, providing trucks to go get the produce instead of making them come all the way in or 
different partnerships like that. Um, we have, um, specifically, we have this wonderful vendor that provides protein through um, Two of By Seed Foods, and she does um, salmon. She's a, like a captain of a boat up in Alaska and processes down here, and she... Um, she wanted so badly to be a part of our program that she actually changed her product line to fit our needs and, and our budgets for the protein. So um, the reason why it's continuing is because we have such phenomenal relationships with farmers mm -hmm. and then other farmers and other producers have found out about the efforts that we put into that program. So it's kind of like, I guess there's some loyalty built up there with the farmers, but I think that we've really, I mean we've really treated the farmers well and that they've really appreciated what we've done to help them. And so it's a really great relationship to continue that program. And can you tell me how farmers that are really interested in getting involved with y'all and continue this wonderful relationship that you have, do they need to have any certification of any sort or can they just jump right in? Actually, I think they can just jump right in. Um, yeah, there's, there's no certification required. Um, you know, we encourage it. Obviously the gap certification is important. Um, any kind of FISMA certification for food safety, those things are important, but not required. And as long as we know that the food is handled with care, we'll we'll work with you. And talking about, you said hyper local um, produce from these farms. Now, what what is that? What definition does hyper local mean? Within a mile, within ten, within what kind of range can farmers be looking for to get involved? Yes, I think for the most part, we consider hyper-local within, most of our producers are within a 20-mile radius, but up to a 50-mile radius of Spokane. And we are very encouraging of the local, small to medium-sized family farmers. Nice, that's good to hear. Mm -hmm. So you guys also talked about um, being able to produce your own food. And Bree, I know that you said you were a farmer, and was there another, and um, Brittany? Um, also a farmer. So, uh, so Four Roots Farm isn't a per se actual farm somewhere that somebody can go and visit, right? This is a collective group. Oh, okay. Oh, I like it. Uh, that's a programmatic angle that we are working on and hopefully we will be growing come, come this coming spring. Okay. Um, so we're looking at growing out on Bree's farm in Medical Lake, as well as Rachel's property up in the Colbert area, and we will also be collaborating heavily with Vets on the Farm. So y'all are going to uh, source, the, source the vegetables locally, you're going to distribute the to families that are in need locally, and you're also going to put your hands in the soil and grow it yourselves locally. Very I think cool. that's what it's all about, though. I think that I think that an organization like this is a good way to show... Um, that the food systems are important, the whole system, the farmer to the consumer, all the whole process, it's really important. And I think that by highlighting that, you know, we can hopefully inspire more people along the way to, to do something similar in their communities. Because I think that the pandemic showed us more than anything else has how important local food systems are. Um, that's on the farm. I mean, we we got slammed after the first couple of weeks of the pandemic because people <laughs> panicked. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine if you couldn't afford that food, the food that we could offer them? Um, I think that I think that more than anything, the pandemic has shown us that. And that's why organizations like this are important. So let's talk about that experience and being able to um, provide food for these families. And I'm wondering if each of you um, have maybe a special moment that sticks in your mind um, that really just kind of hit you to the core um, as far as, you know, interacting with a family and or an experience that just stands out to you. <laughs> I know. It might be hard to narrow it down to one, I'm sure. First started working with these ladies um, at their previous place of employment. Uh, we, we partnered up for the food boxes for one of my schools in the Farm to School program. And it was, my schools are very rural and they have um, very little access to fresh whole foods. And when I was talking to my boss, she told me that one specific school district had kids that were sleeping in unheated hovels in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. And I, it just blew my mind that in a, in a place so close to Spokane that that was still happening. And we were able to get them boxes of food, one per student rather than one per family, that was, um, it got them through their holiday break when they wouldn't have access to school meals. 
mm-hmm. um, because most of those students were getting free meals. And I think that that was kind of it for me. You know, it was always important for me to get local food to my community, but the food access part had kind of eluded me, even though I grew up in Hilliard. Um, I was pretty lucky that I didn't run into that as, as a child, but I, I guess I just didn't realize that it was still a thing that happened so close to where I lived. Mm-hmm. Right. So my previous experience, um, the position that I held is actually going to be pretty similar to what I'm doing now, but it was more the community setting up events um, for distribution. We had a trunk-to-trunk model that we um, helped keep people safe um, distance-wise during pandemic, the beginning portion of it. Um, and we actually kind of made a report, and we talked with different community partners and with the people. And um, the the one thing that really hit me that I didn't quite – I wasn't really prepared for was the, um, the immigrant population in Spokane um, – the whole foods and and all of that was something that they were able to work with. All of the other stuff, they they kind of didn't know what to do with a box of macaroni, but they can Mm -hmm. chop onions and they can create their own foods that are respectful of their culture. Um, And so that was something that kind of blew my mind because I was like, well, we all eat, you know, but it was, no, really, there's a big cultural element to food access for people. And so um, I was really grateful to participate in that. And then also from the, the people that came and picked up from us, there was a lot of parents, especially um, new moms, um, that or their children were at home and they really didn't know how they were going to feed their kids. And um, like I said before, they had maybe allergens that they couldn't work with, like from typical boxes that have are full of like gluten or sodium or dairy, you know, things like that, that they could really work with these boxes and feed their children. So... Um, um, those are those were very common stories when we were distributing these boxes. I think for me, the the heaviest hitting one was actually a vendor, um, Jesse from JK Smoked Meats, who is so phenomenal to work with, and his product is seriously just um, top notch. Uh, when we were ordering from from Jesse last year to fill food boxes, uh, he came back and he said, you know. Without that order, I wouldn't have a business, and I wouldn't have food on the table for my family this Christmas. Oh. Um, and, and you know, that really hits home when a, a food producer can't right. feed their family. And that, that mm-hmm. for me, was just, I mean, that was straight through the heart for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are all such heartwarming stories. And it's been really interesting watching the evolution of this program from the you know very beginning of when it started and I think it was May 2020 of when the program officially launched in Mm -hmm. the Spokane area to now and but one thing that has remained constant is the impact that it has on the community on the families and on the farmers so you have such a trifecta of impact that is profound and is focused on locality nutrition and health and prosperity. That's what I love. But one story that really stood out to me was we were doing a trunk-to-trunk distribution event at a farmer's market, and there was an elderly couple that came to visit and pick up their food box. And it was actually the very first time they had left their house since the beginning of COVID, and this was early September. And they went to the market. They were very nervous about being outside, but they said it was worth it to them to take the STA bus to go to the market to pick up their box. They, while they were at the market, they stopped and shopped as well. But that husband and wife said they were going to make it their weekly outing every single week to go get their food. And that would take care of the majority of their food needs for their household. Despite she was going through cancer treatments, they knew that this was wholesome, nutritious food for what she needed, for what they needed. And they were moved to tears when they saw Mm -hmm. what the contents were inside the box. So that's, it's really hard not to cry yourself when you see that impact, you know, six feet away from you of a family opening that box for the first time. That's what keeps us going. Those are some great, great stories and experiences. And I love what you said, Lisette, that it really is a trifecta. And it is, you know, 
astounding how much this does impact just such a vast variety of people. You know, it doesn't matter if they're children or if they're in their 80s or, you know, if they are single or, you know, food is a necessity and it has to be provided. Um, so I kind of want to talk a little bit more about the nitty gritty, start like kind of your square one spots and how you got things off the ground and talk to us about some of the challenges you've experienced putting four roots together. I'll go ahead and start us off. <laughs> well, you were talking to say, <laughs> despite the challenges, it has been seriously such an encouraging process because just the passion this group has, but also the personal friendships we have, mm-hmm. that's really the impetus for so much of this is exactly is the friendship and that we know we have to keep this program going. We have to keep this alive. And so do our farmers and so do the community partner organizations. Um, so but as far as challenges from just more of an administrative perspective was just the like some of the basic nitty gritties of starting up a new business and LLC. What all do we have to get filed with the state and the federal government and the county and where are we going to do business, those nitty gritties, insurance and that, but let alone the, um, really kind of what's the first seed that we're going to plant to kick off this business initiative. Mm -hmm. And that for us was the food box program. And so when Washington State Department of Ag had announced that they're coming out with this newest iteration, this We Feed Washington pilot program, and we took a look at the eligibility guidelines and we saw, okay, we fit in here. Um, Then the community partners and farmers rallied around us and wrote the most encouraging letters of support for our application. And we got that together within, it was like a week, I think, when we got that pulled nice together. Nice job. And turned it in clear that this was, this was mostly Lisette. <laughs> it, was, it was still a team effort, but maybe um, a little bit mostly Lisette. <laughs> but it's been, it's been so exciting. But yeah, a lot of work, but that's just speaking to the administrative side. I'll let the team speak to the other, other exciting challenges. Well, from a farming perspective, you know, Brittany and I have met a couple of times and talked about crops um, and where we're going to grow them. You know, we've, we're looking at Spokane is so diverse um, soil-wise mm-hmm. that we're looking right. at, so where are we going to grow our, our root crops? We can't do it at my place. West Plains, is, my stuff is too compacted, so we're going to do it if that's on the farm where I know that the soil is good. Um, and deciding, you know, what what crops, what are we going to do for to feed the, you know, the basic needs of our boxes, and then what are we going to do beyond that? Um, and figuring, you know, sourcing seeds. Are we going to go organic? Well, of course we are. So that's more expensive. Um, you know, infrastructure. Grant would be so proud. Infrastructure, 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 and and we don't have that at all of the places that we intend to grow at. So. You know the startup costs like any business, mm-hmm. um, but talking to Vicki Carter um, about where we're potentially going to base our operations, which is looking like the old conservation district building, I went up to her and I was like, oh, "Thank you so much. This is amazing." And she was like, "You know, Bree, when you're doing the right thing, doors just open for you." <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, I think true. that that has been at the experience here. I mean, we're pretty short-lived business so far, but I mean. So far, that's been what's happening. I don't know that it's necessarily a struggle. It's kind of a tip to the hat to, like, just our skill set together. But we're a new organization that's fighting food insecurity, and there's several. And so um, how do we work together in partnership? Um, Because it's really common for a kind of social... um, humanitarian efforts to kind of be a little competitive instead of like we're working on this together. So um, I wouldn't say that we've experienced that like negative side of it, but how do we say we are a contender in this? Like we know what we're doing and we've been successful in the past doing it. Um, And so I think putting that kind of stuff out there, but really I think this we feed also their emphasis is on Um, partnering. They really Mm want to see multiple organizations working together. Um, And I think we have that. We have the support of obviously the conservation district and and vets on the farm in a huge way. And um, the farmers and the uh, the other community partners that we've worked with with in the past that, um, so kind of just bringing all of that together to get things um, solidified, to build a presence, to have confidence built in us in a community that surrounds us. Um, it hasn't been difficult, um, which 
that whole thing, like if you're doing the right thing, like it comes to you easy, right? So um, we, I think it's a good thing to kind of pride ourselves on that we have, um, we have not allowed ourselves to have any sort of attitude except we're going to help each other and, and helping the community in the best way possible. I think too, one of the, the biggest and I, I will say struggle because y'all didn't see us last week, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's waiting. It's waiting. Yeah. When we know, we Money. know what we want to do. We know how we want to do it. We know who we want to work with. We know our timelines. We know that people need this food. Um, and waiting on the go button has been incredibly <laughs> difficult. Oh um, see the group text. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of heavy. <clears throat> you should not see the group text. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but truly, you know, we have so many so many things that idealistically we want to be able to do for our community, for our families, for for everybody else's families um, that we're coming in contact with, and just the this initial phase of getting the ball off the ground, um, and not just rolling, but being able to get it flying has been um, it, it's been tenuous, I guess, to say the least. So that's I, I think that's been the biggest struggle up to this point. So you guys talk about working with some fabulous partners, and I'm going to give you the chance right now to maybe do some shout-outs to some of those farms or partners that have helped you get off the ground and get the ball rolling, like you said. <laughs> um, can we start with Seth? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. Mighty Microgreens. Um, Seth has been, from the very beginning, an absolutely unfailing, unflagging supporter, but also vendor um, for us, and has gone from being... Um, you know, through this, the the food boxing program has gone from being a part of somebody else's business uh, to owning his own business and being able to apply for, um, you know, spots in local grocery stores, things like that. And um, we, we're hopeful and, and just really grateful for everything that he's done for us and, and all of the continued work that we know we're going to be able to do with him and his program. Also, I mean, vets on the farm, mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, I wouldn't be in agriculture if I hadn't gotten an internship with vets on the farm and I think Brittany is probably in a similar boat um you know I I think that she and I kind of had the same first day thought like this is uh not what I thought it would be (laughs) this is a lot harder it's not a big garden it's a real farm (laughs) and um since the since the day I walked onto that farm um vets on the farm has has been there to educate me um, constantly support me, force me to grow cut flowers, and now I actually like doing it, and that's part of my business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, from that you know personal perspective to writing us a wonderful letter of recommendation, mm-hmm. offering space to grow, offering storage space and workspace. If if we couldn't find something else, they were going to make room for us. Um, I I can't thank them enough. Vicki Carter and Grant Weber and I guess Dwayne too. <laughs> that one had to hurt, didn't it? Yeah, Vets in the Farm also towards the end of our last round um, came in clutch with a lot of produce for our boxes to round out our boxes. So not only the physical support and the land and all that stuff, but they actually grew for us, which was um, so important when we were trying to create these robust boxes. Um, additionally, um, Front Porch Farms, based out of Addy, um, Fresh Cut Farms, based out of Deer Park, um, Shannon Ford from um, Two If by Seafood, um, Lake Wolf Creamery, providing the cheese, um, Frankie Browning with Browning Beef, um, JK, J, JK, J Bar K Meats, um, and then oh Faith Farms. So a lot of these farmers we we got through the farmers markets, um, and they were so willing, and they are still willing. So last night I was able to walk around to some of the farmers and say, "Hey, it's coming!" Like we're going to build these boxes. How do you feel? And, um, a couple of the vendors were crying cause they were so ready for it. Yay. And it's been such a tough season for farmers and producers mm-hmm. this year. Um, not just because of, you know, everything going on politically and COVID and all of that, but just the heat mm-hmm. <laughs> and the damage right. to crops. Um, there's a lot of farmers that had like lost half their farms to the, due to the heat. Um, and so just to see their faces, like, really? I've got squash. I've got onions. I've got potatoes. I've got apples. Like, you know, it's, um, they're a cucumbers. 
<laughs> and they're, you know, we've got people ready. And so some of these boxes are going to be so beautifully curated because of the excitement of these farmers. Um, and they're going to be kind of piecemealed. Like we want, maybe we won't order 10,000 pounds of something, but we'll order 500 pounds or a hundred pounds and then piecemeal. Yeah. We, we had happy mountain mushrooms, um, come and she would bring, you know, for, we created a, a vegan option, um, for a little while in our last round. Um, so all of these people that are, just coming out of the woodwork to support food access, but also, um, you know, that we can support them. So it's been really, really cool. And, and to go back to Seth, um, Seth even provided like microgreens for like our staff just because he loved us. Um, and he wants to educate people on it. And so we, this food pro program has actually kind of become a little bit of a small business incubator, which is actually one of the goals that we have as an organization is to assist these micro companies into becoming more than you know to to achieve their vision of what they want to do um and then one of our big partnerships was actually with the Spokane Hospitality Coalition um they obviously were one of the the hardest industry hit during the beginning portion of the pandemic um right. and as a coalition a lot of the restaurants and caterers um London Harris um Chad White they um they ended up uh, saying that they would pay their employees if they volunteered. And so what we did is we partnered with them and they came in like, I don't even know the appropriate word, but they were insane. And they got like thousands of boxes done in like two days. Um, awesome. So individual restaurants came in and they did that. And so what happened is we ended up letting them take boxes home. And then we did a distribution for the hospitality industry in Spokane. So there was a really cool partnership there. Um, I'm bogarting the microphone, but yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> partnerships there. <laughs> I'd also love to give a shout out to Washington State Department of Ag, too. They have been just such a crucial partner throughout this, not only in the funding, but also they just are so connected truly with Washington State's local communities and regional food systems and the producers within. And they would help connect us with producers and we're, you know, always wanting feedback and just so encouraging, not to mention that they're believing in us as a true startup small business yeah. going into this new yeah. era of a contract agreement is just so phenomenal. But there's also so many different community nonprofit organizations and faith-based organizations and then ESD, um, the school districts here too, and being the um, helping us with the distribution process of getting the boxes out to the families and individuals they serve that are in need and vulnerable. It's been great. So you guys have obviously done covered a lot of ground in a short period of time so I have to applaud you for doing that um I'm wondering what is a short term goal of yours right now make it through next week yep. <laughs> truly um right now we're we're really on a day-to-day -day and a week-to-week -week basis as far as filling our needs and um moving to the next step so as we uh, receive all of our information and everything from from WSDA and get started on um, getting this program off the ground a lot of our next steps are going to be things like making sure we have the staffing um, within our organization to fill these boxes it's going to be placing those orders from vendors it's going to be ordering cardboard boxes and tape and you know all those little um, the little logistical things that just really need to happen in a very short amount of time. Um, space. Yeah, the actual <laughs> actual space, which um, we were really uh, confident in our ability to do that. But it is it our shortest term goal truly right now is make it through the next day and get to the next one. It's um, it's going to be a very uh, wild ride over the next few weeks, but we're we're really confident that. Um, it's going to go really smoothly and people are going to get the food that they need. Awesome. And so with that short-term girl, what would you say is the biggest resource need you have right now? Right now? Hands. Hands? We need Volunteers. hands. Volunteers? Volunteers. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. 
Also, we are going to be in need here as soon as we find out what this contract amount is of a financial institution to help us secure a line of credit for just covering the operations of this for the next 30 to 45 days while we wait on payment from WSDA. Like that, we have a promise of payment, but if there's any local banks or credit unions that would be interested, we would absolutely love to work with them. Awesome. And then how can people who either want to volunteer or get involved with um, helping fund you guys how can they get a hold of you easiest way is going to be through our email it's going to be fourrootsfarm at gmail.com um, you can also find us on our website at fourrootsfarm.org great all right and talking thinking as a as a farmer as we go into the winter season here we're starting to uh, figure out what we're going to grow for next season um, you just said you piecemeal most of your orders together and you order from all the farms that you can would you encourage any farms to grow anything specific can they contact you and ask you what you need so they can put it in their rotation? Our plan is that we would, we're going to be growing for our, our most basic boxes. We'll be growing things that are either prolific, so like cucumbers this year, um, or <laughs> things that are relatively shelf-stable, root, root vegetables, um, squash is always good, potatoes, things like that. The things that, um, that will last on people's counters or in their refrigerators so that nothing goes to waste. Um, and, you know, there's always the basic things, you know, people want tomatoes, um, I don't know, peppers, you know, it just, it just, you think about the things, the basic things that you plan on growing when you start a farm. Um, those are the things that we're going to want and need because if you would eat it, they would, the people that we're trying to serve, those people would eat it too. Pretty much anything and everything. Absolutely. And then to go along with that too, we always want to throw in, you know, if there are unique produce items that somebody's got a bumper crop of, you know, we would love to, to look at those ideas. Um, and as those do come through, we would really love to speak, you know, personally with that farmer to discuss how is that most easily used? How is it most easily stored? So that we can educate recipients of these boxes so they're not receiving something and saying, well, that's great, but I have no idea what the heck that is. Right. My kids are not going to eat that. <laughs> I'm not going to eat that. That looks weird. Um, because, I mean, we're all guilty of it, right? When you go to the grocery right. store, we have grand plans, and then we go and gravitate to exactly what we know. Um, mm -hmm. So the more information we can get out there about your very special produce, the better. And that ties into um, all four of you having such a wonderful, diverse amount of knowledge out there. Um, what kind of educational opportunities and resources do you plan to bring to the community? Well, I know that Brittany wants to do some cooking classes. Oh, awesome. Because she's um, a very talented uh, baker, and her food is just delicious overall. Um, I, think that, I think that as opportunities present themselves, um, we will just kind of roll with what we've got. So things like, you know, gardening 101, um, I know that you you said that you wanted to kind of start moving past the 101 classes. I think there's an opportunity there for us to partner with Vets on the Farm for us to offer um, the, the very basic gardening classes and for Vets on the Farm to take it a step further. Um, I, I, those are the two that have come up so far. Um, obviously, we're kind of elbow deep in the WSDA <laughs> whole sitch. So um, as, as we kind of progress through that, I think that we'll, we'll probably come up with a lot of fun things. And I know Brittany's really excited about the prospect of, of food education. That's pretty exciting. Absolutely. I think that there is a major need for, for not just folks who are looking to receive these boxes, but for our community in general to know what to do with their food, how to use it how to cook it, how to eat it, what it's going to do for them. We hear the term nutritionally dense thrown around, but I mean, what does that really mean to right. you, right? Mm -hmm. um, you hear, oh, I should go get kale because it's got all of, somebody said micronutrients, somebody said macronutrients, somebody said that has protein <laughs> in it, that was weird. Um, and, and so when we talk about how we put these foods together, what they should, you know, what should go with what else on your plate? Why should you eat something? And then really, truly, how do you cook it? Because how many of you have knife skills? How many of you know, you know, what temperature my, my food should be cooked to? Um, a chicken should be cooked to what, 300 degrees, right? Is that, is that right? You know, <laughs> no. Like, we don't know anymore. We've lost that, that basic skill set of 
how to prepare our own food, and then how to store it properly, how to feed our families, and, and really bring in that nutrition part um, that will bring us back to keeping our food systems local and um, really being able to utilize what's available to us within a 20 to 50 mile radius. As my, as my current job um, at ESC 101 comes to a close in the, because we had the planning grant for farm to school, um, Four Roots plans to eventually pick up the reins uh, there and apply for the follow-on grant, which is the implementation grant. Um, and the, the purpose of farm to school is is teaching kids, you know, our future adults, mm-hmm. um, about local food systems. Where does your food come from? Like, what, what does that look like? What does it look like when it's in its whole form? Um, my boss told me uh, <laughs> when I first started that she had a student ask her what a pear was because she only recognized it as, you know, cubed little white fruit in a can right. in, in sugary syrup. Uh-huh. Um, so that, I think that that will be, that will kind of open up the education part of, of what we're doing. I mean, we'll be applying for that for, to start in 2022. So that's, you know, terrifying. <laughs> um, but, but education is a, a it's like a, a third of that entire grant. Um, so being able to cook with that food, you know, kids taking it home and, and wanting to eat it at home also, those kinds of things, um, they'll, they'll go with farm to school eventually when we hopefully secure that. So you guys talk about grant writing a lot, and this is not something that is necessarily familiar to everybody. <laughs> the grant writing process, what goes into it, the time you got to spend on these grants. Um, I'm just wondering if this might be a service that you also offer to the communities assisting them with grant writing. It's a great question. Yes. So grant writing is very much its own unique art form, that's for sure. And so the, the various levels of government, as well as private foundations and family trusts, issue what are known as grants or even contract opportunities throughout the year. And entities of different types, so including nonprofits, schools, faith-based organizations, and even small businesses, more so since a passage of new federal funding, are eligible to apply for these opportunities. Many farmers and small businesses in the food system don't realize that these opportunities are available to them or they may not even have the capacity to go through the many different levels of paperwork and administrative forms it takes to put in an application. So that is one of the arms of Four Roots we are offering to the community with a focus on the producers who we are already affiliated with or that may be connected to our organization in other ways so that we can provide direct grant writing assistance for their small businesses to expand their businesses or just support their sustainability and also for those who may be looking to enter into the food system and start up their business. So one of the other um, four points you uh, talked about with Four Roots at the beginning was events. So what's on the horizon for any Four Roots events? I just got the glare, so I guess I'm speaking on this. A vision that we have is utilizing, I have acreage out in the Green Bluff area, um, and building that property into a place where we can host classes, where we can host um, education on, you know, greenhouses, or um, even uh, raising animal husbandry, like, um, we have enough space on our farm to do that. Um, So with the events, we want to utilize that place for classes and different things like that. But I also think um, we have talked, I mean, there's so many, so many goals that we have, like, and it's like, okay, that's on the five year, that's on the three year, (laughs) you know, um, giant Quonson huts that are, or greenhouses where people can actually have events out there in the middle of our edible um, landscaping. And it's a beautiful opportunity for people to have their events. It could be any event, but we can also have educational events. Um, One thing is uh, working with our um, farmers and creating those relationships, um, providing pop-up markets um, where the farmers can come and sell their produce. They're in an 
affiliation with us. Um, or we, you know, five-year plan is a mobile market where we can take in um, from these farmers and then dis- distribute to our community. Um, so that's kind of the, I mean, kind of the aim of what we've got going on right now. Um, we would love to party with a bunch of farmers all the time. So <laughs> like any, any reason or excuse, let's do it. Ain't no party like a farmer party. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely our fundraising events. So that's something we have planned for the for the future. And not only increasing knowledge and awareness of the farmers and producers and having a platform where the community can come together and celebrate over food that's prepared, you know, by our amazing culinary team, but also supplied by farmers. But having um, this synergistic point between music, art, culture, wine locally crafted beer and food together that we really need more farm to table events in the Spokane area and if we can be an incubator for that a lot of our farmers actually ironically enough are are very creative and very musical too so they may be part of the musical lineup as well so our future events some of yeah some of the background that um, Brittany and I specifically have is we started an organization a while ago where we did just that where we um we called upon um, local vendors to provide a large uh, dinner event, um, but we would also we also had brought in like designers that would come and create the tablescape and decorate, and then we had. Um, alcohol vendors as third-party vendors and all of that, but then we had other vendors that would come in, producers or, or um, what do they call value-added, where candle makers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, artisans. They would come in and um, we would provide, we would bring in an organization to educate the community about what they do. So those seats were a ticketed price and it um, went directly to that organization, that nonprofit. So we worked with um, some sex trafficking organizations and and um, were able to raise enough money for them to buy a printer because they didn't get federal funds. Or um, And so to be able to um, get that education out to people that you wouldn't normally correlate sex trafficking and then the farmer that's, uh, you know, 20 miles mm-hmm. away, like put them all together and then be able to spread that information, that educational. So it's a combination of the event and the educational process. Well, Lisette, Brittany, Rachel, and Bree, you ladies are doing some fantastic work for our community. So again, I applaud you. Great work. Um, keep up the good work. Tell our listeners again, how they can get involved with your organization, and where to find you. All right, great. So within the next week, we will be looking for uh, volunteers as well as uh, potential staff members. If you are in the local area and you'd like to get your hands involved in this project, you can get in contact with us through email at fourrootsfarm at gmail.com. That four is spelled out F-O-U-R-R-O-O-T-S farm, F-A-R-M at Gmail. Um, Or you can find our website, fourrootsfarm.org. Awesome. Well, thank you again, ladies, for um, coming in and sharing all the things of Four Roots Farm. So at the end of our interviews, we like to do a little bit of a spitfire round so that our uh, audience can learn a little bit more about you, each of you individually. So Dwayne, why don't you kick us off? Something on my mind since October 1st is, and here's the question, Christmas music in October, yes or no? Where do you stand? No, November 1st (laughs) is sufficient. (laughs) If it brings you joy, do it. (laughs) Oh, look at that professional answer. Officially November 1st, but my kids have been singing Christmas songs since July. You have really great kids. (laughs) I would have to say hell no to that, but the day after Thanksgiving, it's fair game. I'm with you on that. Fair enough, fair enough. Live in the moment. Um, All right. So how about each of you tell us your favorite emoji? (laughs) I like the thumbs up emoji. (laughs) You're welcome, Grant. I think it was originally designed as an ice cream, but it's the poop emoji (laughs) and the star eyes emoji. You know, if we were to go with like our top six, I think it's like the heart, the poop, the middle finger, and the peace sign. (laughs) Just covering the whole gamut there. Covers all the emotions. Exactly. That's all you need at all. Oh, man. Hard to pick one that hasn't been chosen already. I know I use the shining heart one way too much. That'd probably be my top choice. It's just an eye roll. I think Brittany always sends the, the cat that's 
that says heavy breathing on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not an emoji. It's just hilarious. So one of my favorite questions to ask is, what's your favorite movie, and do you have a quote? The Wizard of Oz, what would you do with a brain if you had one? That I is have a lot one. of favorite movies. I like Twister. <laughs> it's true. The movie Twister. I could watch it back to back to back. And the best line is, we've got cows. That's right. I love it. Anchorman, I love Lamp. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. I'd probably have to choose Forrest Gump. Life is... What, a box of chocolates? You never know what you're going to get. Like it. Right. That's true. Classic. That's especially relevant to us. <laughs> Twister is the best. It's so it's true. Twister. It's so true, though. Twister and Hook all the time. Oh, oh Hook. Back to back. The boot Okay, so finish the sentence. On the weekend when I'm not working, you can usually find me. It's a farmer life for her. Uh, right now, uh, you'll find me trying to create a nursery. I'm adopting a baby in January, so oh, getting ready, getting my house ready for that. Yeah, congrats. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, digging my kids out from under the chicken coop. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, doing home renovation projects. Yard projects, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> really grown up over here. It's gross. <laughs> All right, ladies. And one that we always ask our guests is Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Beatles. Oh, one for Beatles? Beatles. Two for Beatles? Never or always and. That's a tough one. I'd probably have to say the Stones. Although I might have more Beatles in my playlist, but the Stones, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for being here, ladies. Make sure that you guys check out Four Roots Farm at fourrootsfarm at gmail.com and at fourrootsfarm.org. All right. Thanks so much for being here, ladies. Thanks Thanks for having us. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.